Hey, Lily. Hey. What happened to the man who didn't pay his exorcist? I've no idea. His house was repossessed. (laughs) (laughs) Did you like that one? Oh, yes, it was wonderful. Thank you. (laughs) They get better every week. (laughs) I think so. Hello and welcome to the Highly Strange Podcast. You are here with me, Sarah. And me, Lewis. I think I'm going to quickly start this episode with just saying a big thank you to Lulu's lovely wife, Kate, who stepped in last week when we couldn't all be together to record. So thank you, Kate. Yes, thank you, Kate. And it was a great episode. So well done, guys. Are you ready for this week's topic? Go on, hit me. We are covering the story of the Bell Witch. Ooh. So we're going to start with a little bit of trivia about witchcraft in the UK. So how many people do you think were executed in the UK for witchcraft? Uh... I reckon it's probably thousands over the years. Less, actually. Oh. So it's about 500 people are estimated to have been executed for witchcraft in England. Of all executions known for witchcraft in England, 90% were women, which is more than any other country in Europe. Surprising? I thought like it would have been a lot in like France, in that area, sort of France, Germany. Well, what is now France and Germany? Well, I think the statistic means um, that... The more in Europe was that there were more females. So I don't think it necessarily means that there was more executions. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. That they had the biggest percentage that were female. And do you know when the Witchcraft Act was introduced in the UK? Probably like 10 years ago, to be fair. <laughs> so the first Witchcraft Act in England was introduced in 1542. And the Act was repealed in 1547. And then in 1563, they introduced the death penalty for any sorcery used to cause someone's death. And then in 1604, the Witchcraft Act was reformed to include anyone to have made a pact with Satan. Oh. And do you know when the last person was executed in the UK for witchcraft? Um, no. So the last person to be accused of witchcraft... Sorry, I've put executed, I meant accused. Last person to be accused of witchcraft in the UK was a spiritualist, Helen Duncan, and she was convicted in 1944 under the Witchcraft Act for fear she would reveal military secrets during World War II. <laughs> Which I will cover a whole episode on her because her story is insane. I love the idea of Hitler with like a group of witches. <laughs> well, he was all into the occult he anyway, was wasn't into he? the occult. So, makes sense, really. But yes, so this week we're going on a little trip to the southern United States to hear the tale of the Bell Witch haunting. Are you ready? Go on then. I'm just going to move down, so. Right. John Bell was a respected farmer from North Carolina. He moved to Robertson County, Tennessee with his wife and children in 1804. They moved to a lush area complete with 320 acres of farmland that laid along the Red River. For the first 13 years they lived on this farm, it's safe to say the time was peaceful, quiet and enjoyable. The whole family attended the Red River Baptist Church. John even became a deacon at the church. The family, for the most part, were a welcome part of the community and respected by all. I'm just going to add in because I didn't know what a deacon was. (laughs) So the responsibilities of deacons involve assisting at worship, particularly setting up the altar and reading the gospel. They also accorded... Sorry, they also have accorded responsibility for pastoral care and community outreach in keeping with their traditional role of manifesting the church in the world. So they're quite important. This peaceful and tranquil life would soon become a faint memory when in 1817 their lives would change drastically. This story would go on to be the first time in US history a spirit or entity would be recorded as the cause of death of a human being. In 1817, just like most days, John Bell was out on the farm attending to his crops. 
The day was breezy and causing his crops to sway back and forth, but the breeze provided John with some much-needed cooling down. The work that John had to complete daily was never easy, and most days would entail back-breaking activities. John stood and straightened his back. As he slowly looked up, John felt uneasy. He soon realised he was watching. Sorry, no, (laughs) I can't read today. He soon realised he was being watched, but not by a person, and not even by an animal that would be familiar to John. What John could see staring intensely at him was some kind of creature, covered in black fur. This creature would go on to be described as a creature with the body of a dog and with the head of a rabbit. John panicked. <laughs> what, like the size of a rabbit's head? So it's yeah, like a really small head and like a normal dog-sized body. Yeah. Head of a rabbit, body of a dog. Kind Terrifying. Of, kind of cute, but I'd, li- <laughs> I'd like to see one from like a safe distance. <laughs> I've just got images of, like, just someone genetically messing about with animals, basically. <laughs> I'm thinking, like, um, human centipede. It's oh, literally gross. just stitched on. <laughs> John panicked. He had never seen a creature like this before. Out of instinct, he grabbed for his gun and fired several rounds at the creature. Each bullet missed, and the creature mysteriously vanished. Although confused and slightly perplexed, John appeared to not be concerned about the creature lurching, lurking around in his crops. He had been working hard for a long, hot day. John felt tired, dehydrated and overworked. He put the encounter to the back of his mind. Not sure if that's a smart idea, really. I don't know how you could. You see a dog with a rabbit's head that disappears. And you're like, oh, just forget about that. He's like the classic dad in any horror movie. You know, when they're like, oh, it's fine, it's the wind. And they're like, full on in their face is like a demon, like up in the air. And they're like, oh, it's, it's nothing. Just don't worry about it. Go back to sleep. <laughs> and that is every dad in every horror film. <laughs> the next few days might force John into thinking about that creature again. The family began to hear strange noises. At, at first, given that they lived in the sixth rainy estate in the US, they assumed the sounds to be rainfall. The family began to notice that the sounds wouldn't be consistent and would appear in sporadic concentrated bursts, not aligning to the continuous pitter-patter of rain. The sound that that the family could hear was the sounds of stones being thrown at the house. Sometimes the stones would be amplified and they noticed that this was the sound of a larger rock hitting the walls of the family home. I just need to cough, sorry. (coughs) Initially, John didn't make the link between the incident a few days before and what was happening now. He believed the rocks had to be coming from humans, perhaps kids playing around. He found several logical explanations and, again, didn't think much of it. These explanations satisfied the Bell family for a short period of time, until the sounds began inside the house. Once these sounds became apparent, things began to escalate. The noises intensified, becoming more booming. This would happen all through the hours of the night. The family began to hear clear scratching sounds, almost like some kind of creature was constantly trying to enter different rooms of the home. During the night, they could hear the sound of sharp teeth gnawing away at the post of the bed. John, like most rational people, assumed they had an infestation of rats. This would make sense, given that the family's house was on farmland. John began to set traps around the home, and at night would lay awake, waiting to hear the sounds of the traps catching the unwanted intruders. The traps came to no avail, and John could never find the source to any of these noises within the home. I find I sleep best when I'm listening out for the death of small rodents. <laughs> yeah, it's a nice the relaxing. The sound of necks being broken. Ah, like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, there we go. Sweet dreams. <laughs> John's daughter, Elizabeth Bell, was 14 years old. She was known for being a very eager and bright young girl. Nobody in the family could have imagined that what was about to escalate and take place would all centre around Elizabeth. 
The sounds in the household eventually just became the new normal for the family. As a family unit, they decided, perhaps naively, to ignore the sounds and hold on to wishful thinking that the sounds would eventually just go away. One night, Elizabeth abruptly woke. She could hear the usual knocking and gnawing sounds. She lifted her head in hope that she would finally be able to identify what was making these sounds. As she lifted her head, she felt a sudden, sharp pain in her scalp. This caused her an sorry. This caused her an inability to raise her head any further. In her confused and still half asleep state, Elizabeth began to panic. She soon realised that her hair was being pulled by a force in her room that she could not see. She began to scream and was slapped repeatedly in the face. This awoke the household and her family rushed into Elizabeth's bedroom. The family stood in shock and horror and what they could see in front of them. Elizabeth's hair had been tied tightly to the bedpost and her face had clear, vivid handprints. Ooh. I think I've seen videos like that before. <laughs> I don't want to know. <laughs> Remember, she's 14. Oh, yeah, no, we've, we'll, uh, we'll forget I never said anything like that. <laughs> we'll cut that out. No, no, we'll leave that in. Oh, good God. Oh. The youngest of the Bell children then also began to feel the effects of whatever entity was present. The same handprints visible on Elizabeth's face also became noticeable on their hands and legs. At this point, and most likely out of fear, the Bell family never shared this experience with anybody else. And perhaps most interestingly, John Bell hadn't shared the experience with the unknown creature with the rest of his family. It's widely believed now that John Bell was the first to ever witness the rabbit-headed creature. However, this would not be the last sighting. The Bell household, like many households in America at this time, had slaves. The slaves approached John in utter fear. One told John he had been followed home. He described this encounter as being followed by a large black dog, unlike any he had ever seen before. Others told John of witnessing giant unnative birds. They felt like these birds were watching them and acknowledging their activities. These birds would also be witnessed by the eldest Bell son. He saw one of them perched in a treetop. Everybody at the time had kept these stories to themselves, but given the current activity in the household, it began to feel unsafe to keep these stories so secretive. A once confident John Bell was now frightened. Using their faith, the family began to pray to be rid of this entity or entities that were plaguing the home. Elizabeth Bell, who the whole way through this ordeal remained to be at the centre of the torment, once witnessed a human apparition. One day, when out walking in the farm fields alone, she saw what first appeared to be a little girl. She approached the girl, but Elizabeth would soon realise that what she could see was a small woman dangling from her arms by the branch of a tree, letting out a sinister giggle. The small woman, just like the dog, vanished into thin air. John Bell, after having enough, decided to confide in a neighbour about what he had seen around the farm. The neighbours, to show support, offered to come round to the Bell house and join the family in praying. They prayed and asked the spirit to leave the home and the family alone. After days of praying, the neighbour, James Johnson demanded to be aware of what entity was plaguing the family. The family and the neighbour then heard a snarling voice snap back, Kate! (laughs) Oh, Oh, shit. (laughs) Like most haunting stories, the word of what was happening at the Bell Farm began to spread and people from all over decided to visit the farm in hope of receiving a visit from the entity. The entity appeared to thrive on this and would play up to large crowds, focusing most of its energy onto John Bell. One particular visitor to the farm was General Andrew Jackson. Along with his army comrades, he visited the Bell home. Most of the history around this case is devoted to telling this visit in particular. General Jackson had come from Nashville with a wagon loaded with supplies and tents. 
The men arrived on horseback. As they approached the Bell Farm, the men spoke about what they believed and what they thought was a dark fairy tale. They also spoke about how a witch couldn't possibly scare them and that they would be able to defeat her if they met her. At this moment, the wagon stopped. To get the cavalry moving again, the driver cracked his whip and shouted at the horses. The horses began to try and pull the wagon using all the strength they had. This wouldn't work, as they couldn't move the wagon a single inch. The wagon was stuck still in the middle of the track. General Jackson gave a command for the men to dismount and began to push the wagon themselves. This was, of course, all in vain, though, and the wagon remained dead stuck to the track. So this Andrew Jackson, was it? would he go on to be President Andrew Jackson? Yeah, it is that guy. It's the same guy. There's a great dollop episode about him and his giant cheese. <laughs> he kept like a giant wheel of cheese and he took it wherever he went and it became like a nuisance. <laughs> and he had so much cheese, he would just like, people would come to like parties to like get the cheese off him. <laughs> and they'd just give out all this horrible cheese. <laughs> Maybe we'll do an episode about <laughs> Andrew Jackson's cheese. I suddenly don't believe a word this guy says. <laughs> Thanks. Trust the cheese man. <laughs> Oh, the cheese man. The cheese man. <laughs> okay, right. Back to the story. <laughs> Sorry to derail your story about witches. I'm talking about cheese. Maybe it was haunted cheese. Who knows? Oh, Maybe worse. he put the bell witch into cheese. Maybe he churned her right up. Anyway. <laughs> going to make a joke. <laughs> Hunting for an explanation, the wheels of the wagon were then removed. This showed no issues with the wheels. They could effectively spin and turn on the axles. With no more logical routes to try, General Jackson exclaimed to his party, By the eternal boys, it is the witch! The men then heard a sharp sound, appearing to come from the bushes. All right, General, let the wagon move on. I will see you again tonight. The men couldn't pinpoint where the voice had come from. They stood frozen with both astonishment and fear. The horses then started to move without instruction from the driver, and as if by magic, the wagon started to move on. Jackson set up camp for the night. During the night, Jackson's covers were pulled off him and his entire party of men complained about being slapped, pinched or had their hair pulled through the night. Jackson and his party left the next morning. Jackson was quoted to have said, I'd rather fight the British in New Orleans than to have to fight the Bell Witch. (laughs) John Bell's wife, Lucy, had very different encounters with the witch. Lucy appeared to be loved and almost respected by the witch. Lucy had recently been diagnosed with a common lung disease. This disease at the time had a high mortality rate. When Lucy became bedridden, she would report that the Bell Witch would softly sing gospel hymns to her and bring her comforting food like grapes that would just appear out of thin air. Lucy's condition, against all odds, improved and she would go on to make a full recovery. However, as Lucy recovered, John Bell would begin to decline. This would lead to his death on December 20th, 1820. For the most part, it is agreed that John Bell died of a stroke. However, when he died, the family reported smelling a strange sweet smell. The family would go on to find a vial in the home that contained a strange liquid, but had the same sweet smell to it. Nobody in the household recognised the vial. Understandably, not wanting to test the liquid on any members of the family, they decided to test a few drops on the cat, forcing the cat to drink some of the strange potion. The cat would then soon very quickly die. Oh! So it does apparently actually say on John Bell's death certificate, Mm. That he died, like, death by entity. Death by entity. Yes. So, are there any ideas what the liquid was? No, basically. They obviously understand it's poison, but mm. nobody, well, apparently nobody knows how it got there, where it came from, what it was, 
what it consisted of. I heard it was the vaccine for COVID-19. That's <laughs> <laughs> where it all started. Get vaccinated. <laughs> Most people in the community now began to point the guilty finger at Lucy. They would believe that Lucy had poisoned her husband. And this was until a voice from another plane was heard saying, I fixed his medicine and gave him a big dose of it. He will never get out of bed again. The Bell Witch had decided to take it upon herself to murder John Bell. In the run-up to John's funeral, the witch was quiet and most of the activity around the house stopped. On the day of the burial, however, just as the coffin was being lowered into the ground, a disembodied laughter could be heard. The witch began to sing old drinking songs and showed herself to be celebrating the death of John. With John now being gone, the family began to rebuild. They believed they were free of the entity now and that she had achieved what she wanted. For a short period of time, they were free of the witch. This was until a man named Joshua Gardner asked Elizabeth Bell to be his wife. The witch, for some reason, had deemed Joshua not good enough for Elizabeth and soon began the tormenting again. Elizabeth once again began to see the small woman apparition hanging in the tree. However, this time the apparition spoke and told Elizabeth she was not to marry Joshua. Joshua would be played as soon as he arrived at the family home. After being all too familiar with the fate of her father, Elizabeth wasn't willing to take any risks and she broke off the engagement. This seemed to make the witch happy and in time led to her announcing her departure from the family home. She said she would return to the home in seven years' time. What an oddly specific amount of time. Seven years, why not? I don't know how old Elizabeth is at this point. I wonder if it's like the difference of her transitioning into like a proper woman. Oh, but I'm not sure. Say that puberty can bring on yeah. all this sort of thing. Was she 14, did you say? Yeah. So she'd be 21 in seven years. Yeah, so I think that... Yeah, it might be her turning into a woman, isn't it? This promise was kept, and seven years later she appeared at the home, now owned by John Bell Jr. It's said that on her visit she told John several predictions for the future, including the Civil War, World War One, and World War Two. She left again, but this time said she would appear again in 117 years, in 1935. We don't know if this promise was kept, as no reports have ever been made again of the Bell Witch, although some locals say the Bell Witch still haunts the local area. Where the Bell property once stood is now a cave, known as the Bell Witch Cave. Many locals came, claim to have seen strange apparitions. The story doesn't quite end at this point, though. Ten different families made the journey to Red River to try and make a new life. Obviously, amongst these ten families were the Bell family and the Bats family. The Bats. Get your laughs out now. <laughs> Anything on that? What, in the good? Bat Cave? <laughs> Is that the joke? <laughs> Pretty much. You can have a laugh about it if you want. <laughs> These two families had once been friends, but the relationship between the two soon turned dark. In the mid-1810s, Frederick Batts was injured horrifically in an accident. This accident left Frederick disabled and no longer able to work on his farm. In this era of time, an accident like this was a fast-track ticket to destitute and poverty. No support or welfare would be accessible. Neighbours tried to support the family, but the reality is all families were struggling and didn't have the time or resources to ensure others would stay afloat. Well, all of them with the exception of the Bell family. The Bell farm had been doing exceptionally well and had led the family into gaining a wealthy status. It's widely disputed that this wealth came from either good work ethics or praying or exploiting the vulnerable. However, this happened though, and it's important to know that the Bell family didn't fall into the poverty narrative. Frederick Batts sold a large portion of his land to John Bell. Kate Batts, Frederick's wife, a lot of Kate's in this, sorry about that, Kate. <laughs> Bell witch Kate, Kate wife Kate. Bat. 
So Kate Batts, Frederick's wife, believed the entire time that John had brought the land for a fraction of its worth and knew of the family's desperation. She believed that John had made a fortune from the Batts family misery. Kate swore that she would make John Bell pay for all his suffering that he had caused her family. Rumours in the community about Kate being a practising witch were already in the air, although most of these rumours were built off nothing but the belief that Kate was too loud, brash and vocal. Nonetheless, people in the area were frightened of her. John also managed to make an enemy in Benjamin Batts, Kate's brother-in-law. Benjamin had a much better standing in the community and was well respected by most. Benjamin was in disagreement with John Bell over the price of a slave. Now, as a more of a rational way of getting back at someone, Benjamin didn't use witchcraft, but instead took John to court. Although he never actually told John he was going to do this, the court decided to side with Benjamin, and as John had failed to turn up to defend himself... The news of this spread and John was excommunicated by his church and labelled a man of selfish greed. What is often to be mentioned when retelling this story is that Lucy Bell, the wife of John Bell, was actually also the aunt to Kate Batts, who swore that one day she would wreak revenge on John Bell. Interestingly, one claims this story comes from Richard Powell. It's believed that he created this story as a hoax. Richard was a schoolteacher to both Elizabeth Bell and Joshua Gardner. Richard was said to be in love with Elizabeth and these feelings were intensely reciprocated by Elizabeth. He would do anything to stop the romance blossoming between Elizabeth and Joshua. Some people claim that through the use of tricks and help from others he managed to fake the whole ordeal ordeal to scare Gardner off. Although this has never been satisfyingly proven and doubts surround how he would manage this, especially when this would involve access to the family home through all the hours of the night and day, we can't ignore that Richard did come out the winner of this story as he would go on to marry Elizabeth Bell. That is the end of my story. What's your thoughts? I've got some theories. Um, I think much, many of these stories, because there's like several that are kind of like this from the era, it's normally people trying to bring attention to their farm, aren't they, to try and make some money, to try and, mm-hmm. like... Um, Tourism. Yeah, like you pay, you pay money to come and see the, the witch, that sort of thing. You Do you hear my theories? Go on, let's hear your theories then. Theory number one. Oh. The dog was an elemental being that swore a vendetta on the Bell family. Well, yeah, ob- obviously. <laughs> I mean, that was going to be my next guess. And was that dog just capable of shape-shifting, so managed to appear as the Bell Witch as well? Um, listeners at home can't see Sarah's sassy wrist <laughs> movements as she goes through this list. Bum, bum. <laughs> next, uh, on the theory of Richard Powell, I do believe it, but that would also um, mean that he was the one, like, hitting her and hurting her. Which, if you love someone, I don't know. He was her teacher, wasn't he? Yes. Yeah, he's obviously got questionable morals. But it was, it was but... a different time, wasn't it? In the, in the early 1800s, I mean, you yeah. wouldn't think twice about battering your partner. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? My second theory is that Lucy Bell and Kate Batts just elaborated a plan to kill John Bell. So they worked as they were both related to each other. Kate Batts already didn't like John Bell. And when Lucy potentially went to her and said, I don't really like my husband anymore, Kate was like, cool, let's put together a plan and murder your husband. It's an elaborate plan, though, isn't it? There's a lot of backstory to the plan. It is, but with people in the community already thought Kate was a witch. Mm. So I can can understand why they would go down the route of let's make it look like witchcraft. But there's no, there's no like forensics back in the time, so you could just kill someone. You could very easily get away with it yeah. without this. Especially elaborate, poisoning. Yeah, yeah, without this elaborate story. 
other theory. Kate Batts really was a witch and she managed to curse the whole family. Possible. Yeah. Uh, the other theory is that because John Bell had lost his place within the community and that obviously at the time brought a lot of shame on the family because it was surrounded by the church and things like that, um, that this was his way to get sympathy back for his family and he killed himself. No, oh, that's just sad. But it would it would bring your standing back, I suppose, because then they would be a victim family. But he'd and, be dead. In yeah, its, but the community would support his wife and children again. In its own way, it's similar to what your initial reaction was, making it up for some sort of a gain. Yeah. Yeah, but you said like financially, their their farm wasn't doing too bad, was it? Anyway. No, but they were. Um, what's the word? Excommunicated. Excommunicated. Like John Wick at the end of John Wick Chapter 2. Sure. (laughs) Excommunicado. Sure. They're really similar to the family in the film The Witch. Yeah. They're quite similar. Oh, I like that film. Yeah. Slow burner. The (laughs) Vich. Because it's spelled with two Vs. Yeah, the Vich. And then the other one is just that this is a nice little folklore tale that has been added to over the years. I feel like you really lost your sass with your list of theories. <laughs> yeah, you I really came out running and now it's just like, oh. I went in hard. Because folklore. I believe the elemental one. That's, why. <laughs> <laughs> That's where my faith lies. It, no, I think out of all the ones I believe, I actually think it was probably Lucy Bell and Kate Batts. I think they... Conspired. Yeah. I mean, that is the most physically possible him. compared to an elemental rabbit dog. I don't believe that Richard Powell managed to do it all, but because how did he manage to get, like, the wagon to stop moving? Like, there's too much stuff on the outside. And I appreciate, like, the way it works with, like, panic of ghostly things happening and eventually your whole community can just say they've seen things when they haven't. But Mm. I don't know. I don't feel like he could have done that all. If this was to happen nowadays, it would just be an episode of Jeremy Kyle. Yeah. Like, you wouldn't have any of this witch stuff. It would just be all the, the bats and the bells and yeah. uh, on a sofa bats somewhere. And bells. The bats and bells. <laughs> Meatloaf's new album. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the story of the bell witch. Do you have any other theories? Or do you have one you believe a bit more? Um, I... I don't know. I don't want to seem like a Debbie Downer every time we, we do go. one of these. <laughs> but I do normally think it comes down to either money or attention. Back then, it's probably to do with money. But then, like you said, the church's... Yeah. The, the church's attention is very important back then. That's the the thing, standing in the community. But not good attention. And the money thing I agree with, but they were well off before the incident. So I don't think they were like in desperate need of money. Mm-hmm. Because, like, they'd already bought that bit of land off um, Benjamin Batts before. So, there's just bats and bells all over the place. I'm <laughs> Benjamin just getting... Batts is a great name. Benjamin Batts. Benjamin Batts. It's a great name. <laughs> I like it. I like to believe that um, she there was a real witch and she placed a curse on the family. I'm just... What I can't figure out is if we go down the route of that story is true, why the witch really didn't like him. Mm. I mean, we've spoken about like this sort of thing before when drawing attention to something like this never ends up well, does it? No. no. You never get like positive attention. But, yeah, no, it is, is it like one of the very first like really famous cases of witch, which is paranormal? Probably one of the most well-known ones, yeah. 
there's some elements in it that's quite similar to other like more contemporary stories like the like the beast the rabbit yeah. the rabbit dog well it's got a lot of everything hasn't it because it's basically yeah. got paranormal then it's got cryptid mm. and um then obviously just witches in itself so it's a bit of a story that kind of encompasses every weird thing you can get the, the only thing it's lacking for me is men in is black. the men in black <laughs> Also, I got a mention from someone that I work with that they complained that our last episode didn't mention Barry from EastEnders. <laughs> Neither did this one. Neither did this one. We've gone 100%. too Barry... Well... Uh, maybe we'll go with Inside the Bell Witch Cave. What, Barry's Once in there? Once you get right to the back. There's like Caveman Barry. Barry, yeah. <laughs> Barry Bats. <laughs> Barry, Barry Bats or Barry Bell. Yeah, both work. <laughs> Barry Bats is there with his... Weird cursed juice. Yeah, but I can see him like being a full-on caveman with his hairy <laughs> chest <laughs> and soft hands, ever so soft, beating his chest slowly. <laughs> <laughs> maybe oh. that. Maybe that's the answer. Maybe Bell Witch was Barry all along. Maybe it Barry was Barry the Bell Witch. Barry, <laughs> Barry Bats the Bell Witch. <laughs> Solved it. I think we sussed it. Yeah. There we go. Everything is just. I think you're going to find, as we go along, that most things just come back to Barry. All being roads answer. lead to Barry. Yeah. We'll put that on a T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. There you go. So, quick kind of announcement of that. you We're not going to be doing any more episodes until after Christmas in this format. Not any proper episodes, no. But have no fear. Because there will be more content, it will just be in a surprisingly different way. Yeah, some some bonus festivities for our first Christmas at Highly Strange. Yeah. 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 Excited. Perfect. Okay, well, I will try and put... I'm not sure what pictures I can get, but I will try and find some. There might be, like, drawings of what people... I'll just post more pictures of Barry. Yeah, if not, we'll just, you'll get some It'd just be content. some more Barry. We should have done like an advent calendar, like 12 days of Barry. <laughs> Bad vent calendar. Perfect. No, it's a bat vent calendar. Bat vent, Bat's yeah. vent calendar. Yeah, we should have done that. That would have been good. <laughs> it's got different, like, liquids in it. Like, <laughs> one of them's going to make you really sick. The other will cure all your ailments. The rest are vaccines. <laughs> 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 anyway <laughs> you can follow us on instagram at highly strange pod or you can email us at highly strange pod at gmail.com yeah don't forget to like subscribe share review review on itunes tell everyone you know tell everyone you don't know <laughs> run on the streets and just shout i fucking love highly strange <laughs> podcast <laughs> i've been doing it round here i reckon we've gathered like two listeners from it maybe get it tattooed <laughs> on your forehead <laughs> if you do that send it to us on Instagram and I'll um... if we get 500 listeners in two days Lulu will get a high strange tattooed on his forehead <laughs> that, that is true we totally did discuss this beforehand <laughs> <laughs> Dude, you should share that you'll absolutely get a <laughs> and then he's got to commit to it that's <laughs> it you heard it here yeah. this is... there's enough real estate there real life stuff <laughs> can you probably might not... advertise your other, any other podcast up there as well if you want yeah you might not believe in the bell witch but believe this believe <laughs> this will get highly strange tattooed if, on his head if we get two thousand followers i will tattoo barry's face on my back on your back full size <laughs> to scale uh, you should try and do it like 
within your own chest hair or something. So that is his hair. Oh, yeah. Just have him climbing out of you. Oh, yeah. That'd be really good. <laughs> like Captain America. <laughs> My nipples could be his eye or something. <laughs> there you go. You heard it here. There you go. <laughs> have a good week and we'll... Have well, a good... we'll see you after Christmas. We'll see you after Christmas. Um, have a nice Christmas. Hope you get everything you want. Yeah, Hope no, you don't get COVID. Nice. No one wants that. <laughs> get vaccinated. Um, have fun. Bye. Bye. <laughs>